All right, this is the Porter Pickups Tonecast. We are on episode 30 now. Very excited to be hitting 30 on the episodes. Um, we've had a few weeks off if you guys have been following the show weekly. Um, we've been very sporadic since the summer started. We talked about it a little bit in our last episode about um, that we just we moved into a new shop and we've been kind of absorbing the summer slowdowns and all that. So we're excited to be back into, uh, into the podcasting uh, world again and we'll try to keep the weekly shows rolling if not every other week as we kind of get back into the new groove of setting up the shop and uh, we had an update you know last time about that so if you want to check that out uh, that'd be great um, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes for the Porter Pickups Tonecast you can search for Porter Pickups and find it there you can also rate the show that'd be helpful for us please share with your friends as well um, you can always check us out again at porterpickups.com or porterguitars.com and when you go to porterpickups.com, you'll see the tone, uh, com- or the Tonecast link under the Community tab. So check that out as well. You can listen to past shows there. You can submit questions for future podcasts as well. So today we're going to be talking with Ryan Burke of 60 Cycle Hum. Let's go ahead and cut to that interview now. All right. Hey, welcome, Ryan. We're glad to have you uh, on the Porter Tonecast. You're on episode 30, so we've been doing this a little less than you guys have, apparently. But uh, a little uh, bit, but that's still a, that's still a lot of episodes. Yeah, we were going weekly for a while, and then the summer hit, and we weren't able to uh, continue that. So we're excited to be back on it. Um, why don't you go ahead and start with telling us about 60 Cycle Hum and, and what you do with 60 Cycle Hum. Oh, okay. Uh, geez, uh, we, we do everything these days. It's crazy. Uh, but uh, the core of it, we're a podcast. It's uh, me and my friend Steve. We're both each other's co-hosts, and uh, for a lot of years, we would just kind of sit at our day jobs and instant message Craigslist ads back and forth between each other and you know, just kind of make fun of them and talk about whether or not they were good buys or not. And then we started listening to podcasts around the same time, and we're kind of like, we should just record these conversations that we have and make a podcast out of it because no one else is doing that really, and we have like a never-ending stream of material here. And so we just started doing it, and it kind of took off, and uh, here we are. We have been running about three and a half years now and have, you know, thousands of listeners, and we have a uh, what I consider a successful YouTube channel where we do demos and reviews and other nonsense, and, uh, you know, we have an Instagram, and it's doing all right, and a Twitter that I have no idea what it's doing, but, <laughs> you know, we... Uh, we we just have a lot of media going in a lot of different directions and it all kind of streams out of the podcast, I guess. Very cool. So you guys started with just, uh, kind of that natural, like talking about gear and that kind of stuff. Is that, yeah, I mean, I mean, we were already, we like to say that we've already, we're already podcasting for like six years before we started recording it, you know, because it's just the same conversation that we've been having forever is just, you know, looking at, like used ads from the gear market and just talking about them and then kind of like tackling other things that come up in the guitar world. Nice. So, so after that, then you had the podcast and then you started doing reviews and YouTube channel. And and so is that kind of the progression of how it's expanded? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I never, we never set out to be like, Oh, let's be like a review channel and let's do YouTube videos. But uh, it just kind of naturally sprung out of it and having an audience and having people start sending us stuff and be like, hey, do some coverage of this. And I was uh, I was already flirting around with doing video work professionally. So like, well, might as well try.
try doing some demo videos and see how that goes. Like I never thought my, I never thought of myself and I still don't think of myself as, you know, like someone who plays guitar well enough to do demo videos, but somehow it works and somehow I make these things and people watch them and <laughs> make informed purchases off of my videos. So. Very cool. Very cool. So real quickly before we kind of get into the meat of the interview, why don't you go ahead and let everyone know who doesn't know about 60 cycle home, kind of your social media links and, and your website and all that stuff so they can find you. Oh, sure. Uh, well the website is 60 cycle Uh, not a lot goes on there. That's just like an aggregator for our episodes. And then, uh, I have the marketing information there for builders who want to, uh, hire us to do demos and do episode sponsorships and things like that. Uh, most of the action happens on our Facebook group. I don't have a link in my head for that, but just go to Facebook and search for 60 cycle hum and you'll see it pop up in the groups. Uh, and that's just like the big discussion hub for everything that happens, happens with the show. And then of course you find the podcast on whatever podcast player you happen to use. I think we're on everything now we're on iTunes, Stitcher, you know, obviously Podbean hosts it. Uh, there's a bunch of other apps out there these days, and I think we're on all of them. Very cool. Cool. Okay, so for those who are listening at, that haven't checked that out, definitely do that. Um, you can find them on Instagram as well, which is kind of cool yeah. to, to see. I think that's the first kind of interaction I had with what you're doing is kind of seeing those funny Craigslist posts on Instagram and just kind of uh, yeah. chuckling every time <laughs> they scrolled by. You know, some It was you know a parts caster, and they want, you know, five thousand dollars for it or whatever yeah. you know and just <laughs> well some, it's, it's custom one of a kind you know? yeah yeah exactly so one of a kind made in mexico strat kind of things you know like that's, <laughs> that seems to be like half the content but it, that i mean that's worth just following them 60 cycle just for that stuff because everyone has their local craigslist stories that are hilarious oh, yeah. and and you know everyone you know i think you'll look at craigslist and it's kind of like the yard sale of guitars oh yeah parts and guitars and everything it's you know it's like this guitar is super rare and it's amazing <laughs> and it's there's nothing like it and you know it's a production run of one million of them you know or whatever so <laughs> there's so much of, got, they, they swapped the pick guard or something like yeah, that or yeah. changed the bridge and you know like we have big discussions about you know what happens to the value of a guitar when you change you know uh components on it and upgrade it and uh, upgrade in air quotes and things like that uh, but yeah, the, the Instagram is, is got a lot of people following it. I'm always shocked. Like I wish I could get everyone on the Instagram to go listen to the podcast and go watch videos too. Yeah. <laughs> we've yeah. got like 10,000 people there, which is nuts. Like just yeah. completely insane. That's awesome. So, so obviously the name piqued my interest being a pickup guy with the 60 cycle hum. <laughs> so tell me how you, you landed on that name. Well, Steve and I had been talking about doing the show for a couple months and we just didn't have a name picked out and you can't start a podcast without a name. Like that's just like the first rule. You have to have a name. <laughs> and Seems so we were at a friend's birthday party at a sushi place and we'd been throwing names back and forth and hated them all. And uh, I was sitting on one end of the table and Steve was sitting on the other. It's weird that I remember this so vividly. Uh, and I had the idea suddenly because I was thinking like, oh, what's something like undesirable but like iconic and like well-known within guitar culture like let's go with something kind of like that hints at like a, a ghetto nature of what we're doing and i look up at steve and i'm like hey what about 60 cycle hum 
And he looks up at me from his sushi and he's like, yeah, that sounds good. And that was it. (laughs) Nice. So it wasn't like you just had a really buzzy strat and you're like, let's call it that because I hate that noise or something. Well, I've I've always said with electric guitar, like I I love single coils uh, and I don't mind it when they have the hum going on. Uh, I've always said with electric guitar, like I don't play guitar to be quiet. Like it's okay if I'm making noise, you know. And if if I'm on stage, like with my surf rock band or something like that, like I'm fine having just like noise in between, you know, songs and stuff. Like, I think that's fun. I like that. I've always liked when I go to shows and like feedback and background noise is is part of the show. Like it shows you that there's, you know, live electricity happening on stage in some way. Exactly. Yeah. We we deal with that obviously a lot because we make a ton of true single coils. And, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. when we're. Our new shop is a lot better power-wise, but our old shop had bad power, and then we have uh-uh. the 60-cycle hum from the single coil. So we'd, we'd do a local <laughs> install for a customer, and they'd come in, and it was like, you know, like, this sounds bad. I'm like, it's it's not bad, I promise. You know, it's just yeah, yeah. like... This is just how it sounds. It's part of the deal. So so that's cool. I appreciate your perspective on that for sure. So I want to I wanna yeah. kind of move to the... Uh, you know, the mini NAM show update since we ran into each other at the NAM show last week in Nashville. Um, yeah. How was the show for you and kind of what was your, your role or your goals kind of going to the show? Was it mostly meeting kind of manufacturers that you've worked with or kind of, what did you end up going out there for? Oh man. I, I think I, I went to summer NAM this year just cause I wanted to go experience it. Uh, always I've got the goal to go get content for, for our listeners, you know, get some interviews, get some videos and things like that and check things out firsthand so I can give, you know, like solid impressions of them. Uh, but it really was just like, I want to go check this thing out. I've done Anaheim a bunch of years. I want to see what Nashville's like. I'd never been there. Uh, I always heard that summer name was really chill and more relaxed. I kind of want to experience that. Um, so yeah, it's mostly just my curiosity, I think. But then of course I did get a pretty good amount of content, not as much as I could have gotten, but, uh, I tend to get exhausted really quick at NAM. I tend to blow my voice out really quick. So four or five interviews, that's usually all I can handle <laughs> until yeah. I have to tap out. Yeah. I mean, you're talking over guitar amps and all the stuff like back in the corner, kind of where all the boutique stuff was. Uh, I know several, uh-huh. several guys got shut down by the, the sound police and all sorts of fun yeah. stuff like that. So it was definitely. I, mean, I also, I also just get really excited and I tend to like shout talk the whole time I'm at Nam. So it's <laughs> it's not, it's not fully Nam's fault. Like it's it's my lack of restraint that yeah, gets yeah, me in trouble for sure. <laughs> and and it's nice. I mean, it's cool to go like even this this last time. You know, I've, we meet all these like Facebook friends or industry yeah. friends or whatever. You know, like we've been Facebook friends for a while and then all of a sudden like we run into each other in the hallway, you know? So it's a kind of, yeah, totally. it's kind of cool to like kind of go one step further and just like meet people in real life and kind of talk about, you know, talk about what each other does and all that stuff. So that, that was definitely uh-huh. the cool part of NAM for us. Um, and we didn't have a booth this year. So we're just, we were just hanging out kind of supporting some different stuff that we're building for other people and in our guitars as well. So, it was it was weird feeling for us, you know, because we has have exhibited in the past. But I'm like you, uh-huh. where I get worn out real fast. So it was it was nice to to run out and get coffee and not feel like I was leaving oh, totally. a money making opportunity in the booth or something <laughs> like that, you know. So that was always always comfortable. And and I think you've been to the you've been to the winter show several times. Oh right? yeah, 
yeah so yeah. that's that's a different dynamic you know it's 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 more people it's it's weirder people for uh-huh. sure you know Way you got, weirder people. <laughs> yeah, you got the weird old rockers that need to hang it up but they just haven't yet and you know yeah. kind of some of those crowds so it, it's definitely you know for those who haven't been to the summer show it is it is different it is smaller it has a different feel some people like that some people who are paying thousands of dollars for a booth may not like it as much you know it just there's a lot yeah. of different dynamics that you're dealing with there for sure yeah i i don't know how the exhibitors survive nam let alone winter nam where it's, i think it's like two extra days or something it's like four, that yeah it's four days for winter and three for summer yeah like i could not survive four days of that let alone three like just being on your feet, being in the noise, like having to stay on your game and talk to people for four days straight. Like I would, I would die from that. I hope I never <laughs> am stuck in a booth there. Yeah. Just yeah. And it's being able to escape is like the best. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, I mean, you get to the point, hopefully that you've got as a manufacturer, you've got a couple people that can do rotations. Cause that's, I'm with sure. you, man. I would, I would be out for two weeks after the show and just not be able to recover. And you know, oh, yeah. You know, it's just it's a lot of money to spend and a lot of a lot of risk and things like that. But it's definitely cool to be out there in the gear industry and to meet people and you know, we've had just people running into into us at the show being like, Hey, wanted to meet you guys and I wanted to see your stuff and so it's always fun to do that kind of networking as well. Uh huh. For sure. So Yeah, it's it's still a trip for me, like the you know, the the moment that we were hanging out at NAM, like just walk up and like, oh, hey, there's Brian Porter. Oh, and there's Robert Keeley. And we're just like hanging out in a circle, like talking. Like that's still a trip for me to like yeah. meet these, uh, you know, these guys building this stuff that I nerd out over so much. I, I think I was talking to someone there. And I'm like, oh, have you seen any any players or any like big band people here? And I was like, you know what? I've been out of like kind of like following bands for a lot of years now, like like legitimately the builders are the celebrities in my mind these days. Like I spend more thinking, more time thinking about gear than I do about music and to, you know, like get to hang out with the builders that are making the stuff that I care about is, is this really a trip? Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. And, and there's people like, even when we were talking to Robert, I had just met him literally like the day before and we've been Facebook friends and traded messages and, mutual mm-hmm. mutual gear friends and it was just kind of just like hey there there he is let's let's just strike up a conversation and it's somewhat yeah it's somewhat more natural as opposed to it's like this mysterious guy that you're like hey I'm this other guy in the industry we should talk for a minute you know it's like there's a little right. bit of a easier introduction with some of those type of things and 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 that's fun cuz i think there's a lot of really cool things happening in the gear industry there's a lot of a lot of cool dude i'm always i'm always really inspired to meet other people that are in the gear industry, they're making it work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, it's just cool to see because, uh, you know, we all, every single person that's there loves gear and we're there because we love gear. And ultimately, you know, a lot of guys are there to make money and, and all that, which is important. But the root mm-hmm. of it is that we're all kind of a little crazy about uh, <laughs> guitar, you know, like, yeah. so I think we enjoy kind of hanging out with each other because of that, that factor. So, um, I'd like to, chat with you a little bit about we were mentioned some of the craigslist um posts and, and kind of the funniest things that you've seen on craigslist like could you could you talk about like maybe a couple of those like just ones that really come to mind that really stick out oh sure i um, mean yeah, like the the one that always just sticks out in my head is this ad that was uh it was for a completely different guitar i think like a bass guitar or something like that 
but there was this guitar in the background that was this double neck acoustic guitar and it had like a seam going down the middle and we we pulled up that ad and just started talking about the guitar in the background not the guitar that was being sold and it was like in a pawn shop somewhere and we're just like looking at it tearing it apart like trying to figure out what's going on because it was clearly two different acoustic guitars that like you know, like the sides of it were cut off and then joined together in a weird like Frankenstein <laughs> <Nice>. sort of way. <laughs> and we were so curious about this thing that we tracked down the the shop that was selling the bass guitar and started asking him questions about this weird acoustic guitar. And it turned out that someone had like hacked up two acoustic guitars and then they put, you know, like they put a new side on the flat er- edges and then they Velcroed the two guitars together. So you've got two acoustic guitars that are cut up and then Velcroed together to be a double neck. <laughs> and it like the mystique of this thing was so heavy that there were like people on our Facebook group trying to get in contact with the pawn shop and buy the thing because it was just so crazy looking and <laughs> such a weird concept that they wanted to like, they wanted to own it. And the pawn shop wouldn't agree to sell it. They wouldn't even give a price. I think people were making offers and they wouldn't accept it. I think it was their like, their good luck charm because it makes it into the background of a lot of their of their ads and i think it's like a conversation piece to get people emailing them maybe. oh nice that makes sense yeah so that's a fun one um man what's another good one there's so many that it's, it's hard to even like remember them all anymore we do three ads per episode sometimes a little more than that and we've had almost 200 episodes now so <laughs> What's that, like 600 ads or something yeah, like that? that's crazy. Like it, it never stops. Uh, I'm always on the lookout for uh, guitars that are shaped like uh, bottle openers because okay. I think that's like an instant disqualification as a, uh, as a usable guitar because I just think it's an ugly look. Like something <laughs> about like when a guitar looks like it can open a bottle, then it's just ugly. That's like awesome. In, not in a, not in a fun way. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I think one of those ones I found and I... I I don't know if I sent it to you. I probably didn't. I should, but I, th- I found one that was like a Marshall half stack and they painted like fiery eyes and teeth on the cabinet. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was like, that's, that's totally like one of those things where it's like, you know, and, and all the dad jokes started coming out, you know, how it had like biting tone and all sorts of stuff, yeah, you yeah. know, and it's just like, and I love that stuff. You know, dad jokes are, are pretty awesome, even though people uh-huh. don't, they don't like them, but I do. So. They're, they're every now and then every now and then we get ads where it's just like we're, usually we're making fun of the ads but not every now and then it's like oh whoever like lives near this should go buy it right now like this is a great <laughs> deal like go get this guitar like uh i stayed my first night at summer nam with grant wilson from big year nyc and he had this guitar that we found on our local craigslist here and i was talking about it on the show and i wish i had gone and bought it now it was this old yamaha one of their funky, funky shapes with a big, long lower horn, but with like strat pickups, uh, with a samurai headstock. I don't, I don't remember the model number. We talked about it on the show. He had someone here locally go buy it for him and ship it to him. And I was looking at this thing at his house. I was like, man, I should have gone and bought this thing <laughs> instead so of just funny. talking about it. <laughs> it's like this. You guys are like this weird adoption agency for misfit guitars or something. You know, like, exactly. You guys should like broker that into some sort of like weird. Just call it weirdmusic.com or something like that, where it's just like you guys find the weirdest <laughs> stuff, and then people just know like you guys are the guys to to make the deals happen. 
we should probably have like a Hall of Fame page or something Ooh, like that yeah, where we just dump we dump like the best ads onto it and it's just like an updating Tumblr or something. I don't know. Yeah. Steve uploads all the the photos to Imager, but I don't know how to get at those. I don't know if there's like a way to link to our history or anything. Like oh that. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, if you guys go to check out the Instagram page, you'll you'll just have to scroll down not very far and see quite a bit of them. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'd love to chat. I try to, with, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I try to post them every week. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> go no, ahead. You're, you're fine. I was trying to transition, but we were still stuck on ugly guitars, so that's fine. Sure. <laughs> we, uh, it's kind of interesting when, when we, uh, we have a bunch of guests on, and we always kind of ask some of the guests the same questions, a couple, uh, you know, more industry-type people, um, which I would, you know, consider you kind of in between the industry and, and a player-type person, but how have you seen kind yeah, of Yeah, I'm like industry adjacent I yes think. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so how have you seen kind of the industry change since you've started you said about three years ago um what have you seen kind of in the industry as far as like changes and trends and, and things like that i know that's a pretty huge question but how has it changed since you've started uh man uh i i think what i've been noticing in like the past year and year and a half at least is that the uh, you know kind of the old guard bigger brands like Boss and Digitech are catching up to current tastes uh, that are more driven by the what used to be called the boutique market. Now I just think it's small builders. Like I don't think you can call it boutique anymore. It's just small builders now. Uh, so for a long time, I think the bigger brands were lost. They were you know just they were following the numbers, which always just leads to metal and like teenage kids buying stuff for the first time. And so, there, you know, just a lot of high gain pedals, a lot of weird variations on high gain pedals and like things that your average everyday player isn't that interested in. But then, you know, the, the small builders are able to make, you know, small batches of stuff and really test out the market and find, you know, the weird little angles that people are looking for. And I think we're seeing, you know, like Boston Digitech and, you know, the other big builders like uh, even MXR and, uh, electroharmonics are kind of, you know, hitting that market a little bit better now. So I think that's the, been the big change. Also, people are way more open to uh, off-model guitars now. Even when we started just three and a half years ago, it was still really hard to sell someone on, you know, like a guitar that had a shape that wasn't a Strat or a Tele or a Les Paul, you know, like the big you know, classic four or five shapes. And you're seeing a lot more people buy into these different shapes that are coming out from small builders like that, like your, your guitar is a different shape mm -hmm. and, and people are open to it. I'm assuming they are anyways. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's almost it's like cool. we're fighting, you know, a lot of times we talked about within the, in the shop and just with people, it's like we've done something a little different with the headstock and the body. And so there's, there is a bit of that like perception to kind of climb out of where we're not building strats or tellies. And it's kind of like, you know, it, it, it's different. And so it's like almost people kind of look at it and they have to right. figure it out first because it is, it is different and there's other features about it and things like that. And, but I think it's cool because I, you know, there is a lot of, there's a lot of options for every major body style. You don't have to buy Fender anymore. You can buy a bunch of stuff that looks kind of like a Fender and, right. you know, and for better, or for worse, I mean, the market's pretty full of a lot of that stuff. And so, you know, we've always tried to, to just, go a little different and you know if it if it is slower go at the beginning i think it's i'm okay with that because i feel like part of the excitement for us is that people are trying to figure it out 
they are looking oh, at sure. it as something new. You know, we, we often talk about it like, you know, remember when, you know, well, we don't remember this, but when, you know, when the Strat came out after so many years of the telly, you know, I'm sure that people uh-huh. looked at the Strat and they were like, what is this thing? Yeah. It's, it's a double cut. <laughs> it's got a tummy, you know, like all these different, right, right. you know, new elements. And the Strat was probably like super radical at the time, you know? So mm-hmm. now it's like this iconic guitar shape. So I'm not saying that we're going to be there necessarily, but it's, but it's kind of one of those things where at the end of the day, we decided to really design something and kind of yeah. make it, make I just it think that the public's way more open to different stuff now in a way where they almost want a different shaped guitar or a different style guitar than the conventional. Cause they don't want to be you know, like boring, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, Cause there's a million strats out there. There's a million Les Pauls out there. There's a million tellies out there. And you can get a guitar that functionally is the same, but has a look. And like, I think the dream has always been, for, I mean, for guys like me anyways, like have your own signature model, like have your own guitar that's just yours and no one else has it. Like the small builders are pumping out numbers that, I mean, if you, if you met someone else in your city that has the same guitar as you, it would be amazing. You would be shocked, you know? Yeah, for sure. Let alone, you know, like the same pickup configuration and color and loadout and everything like that. Like it's just so easy to have something that fits you and is like your custom thing these days. I mean, if you've got the money anyways, like (laughs) (laughs) right, you can still go buy a Mexican strat for, you know, like 300 bucks and mod it to be whatever you want. (laughs) <laughs> any day yeah. of the week you know? yeah definitely when we're, we're living in a, an interesting time for the for the player because they really uh-huh. do have some amazing options amazing choices you know if you don't want to spend three or four thousand dollars on a gibson you could probably find something that's you know less than that from a smaller company or oh uh, sure you know a used type of market and it, i mean there's just like there's so many cool pedals and guitars and amps and all that stuff being made right now it's almost like overwhelming i think about like Uh every every time i get gear gas and i start looking at you know what would i get for pedals for the shop or what would i get for you know a new guitar and i'm just like yeah i don't even know where to start sometimes and i I can't imagine when it's like you know i'm a little bit skewed because i'm a manufacturer but i'm still i still like to play and i still like to to go crazy over gear and stuff like that so i just think man i i've got a million choices now Whereas before it was kind of like whatever was at guitar center or musician's friend or your local shop was about all you could access, you know, and now you can like pop on reverb or whatever. Uh-huh. And just you're, you're inundated with thousands of different options, you know, for gear. Oh yeah. It's crazy. Like I, I remember back in the nineties, like going to the local guitar store and you know, like, the pedals that they had were the only pedals that I knew about. Like there's, I didn't know that there was anything beyond that. And they had, you know, like a Digitech board and then they had a boss board and that's how you tried stuff. There wasn't YouTube, there wasn't videos online or demos or anything like that. It's like you went to the guitar store and you tried out the phase shifter with a metal zone running through it. And you're like, wow, <laughs> guitar pedals are really cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And now it's like, there's so many options everything gets covered on YouTube and so you can hear how it sounds and have a good idea how it sounds when, you know, someone who plays better than you plays it (laughs) for the most part. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, there's so much, so many options. It's crazy. It's really a buyer's market right now. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's crazy to see, like you're mentioning, it's just crazy to, to kind of start down the hole of, you know, 
you decide that you want a delay pedal on your board and you're like, yeah. you open up this Pandora's box of like a million options. Yeah. How do you, where do you even start? And you know, maybe the reason you choose is like you mentioned one of those YouTube guys, or it's maybe your guitar hero plays one. And, and, uh-huh. uh, you know, I met with an artist um, in Nashville this week and he's like kind of completely opposite of some of the of the trends he's like playing boss and mxr and kind of like the industry like or the early industry pedal guys because he plays he plays very simply and he just doesn't need a million you know a spaceship sized pedal board and and it's funny hearing his perspective and then hearing other guys are like you know i need channel switching and i need like midi and all this other stuff and 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 to each his own because they they both have a great thing. But this guy is like, he's making he's making his living playing guitar, and this is his perspective. So it was it was kind of cool. It was kind of refreshing because a lot of people get into like a gear chase where they're you know going through fifteen overdrives in six months trying to find the sound, and then all of a sudden like their guitar hero switches his pedal board and. <laughs> Everything that used to be on their board is not cool anymore, you know, or whatever. Right. So it's, it's funny, like the, just that trendy stuff. And, um, I well, it's to- like, I, I think people argue like, oh, if you didn't spend so much time, you know, like thinking about gear, then you'd spend that time, you know, practicing or getting better at your music. I think they're two separate hobbies. Like, yeah, I mean, definitely. they're connected in a way, but it's like, like all this gear stuff, all this gear like collecting and like obsessing over it. It's like model trains. Like everyone, everyone has a hobby, but like, you know, like what if you did model trains, but then you also like went and did art with model trains somehow, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's a little different as a, as a hobby goes. Cause you can take everything that you're obsessing over and spending money on and then go play, you know, a show with it or make an album with it. And it has, you know, a secondary function, which is, I guess, this primary function outside of being like your hobby collection, you know? Yeah. So if it was in, I'm just thinking that you got me on this train thing now. So like, if it was like pedals, then it would be like, oh, he's playing, he's using that engine. Yeah, oh, exactly. That, that's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I used to use that engine. I got this other one. It's so much better. Yeah, exactly. And the way that I did my <laughs> landscaping around my railroad track is just like, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. it's better than yours, honestly. Oh, you I know. was checking out I was checking out your shrubs, and they are really good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really good. I, I think anytime you like put stuff into another uh, another category of something, it sounds so ridiculous. But that's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do every day, right? As guitarists, we're like, oh exactly. man, I just, I'm just not sure I like this pedal. You know, and, and yeah. I, know, I know guys that color scheme their boards and all that stuff. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, it might I'm be really go- looking for a white pedal that yeah. has a, an OK delay sound. You know, I just need an OK white delay yeah. to match my board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, We could go down a deep, dark hole, I think, there. So maybe we should move on to uh, to the next question here. <laughs> so, sure. Um, uh, curious to what was your first guitar? We always ask our guests kind of what was your first oh, wow. guitar? Okay, my my first guitar was an old uh, Honer acoustic that my mom bought in the uh, in the late seventies to take a, a college class, like to learn how to play guitar, and then she just never like picked it up, didn't fall in love with it, so it kind of sat in the closet. I was born in nineteen eighty one, and uh, we would pull it out every now and then, and I'd you know sit on the floor and like bang on the strings and like turn the tuning pegs and not know what was happening. And I just 
never got into playing it uh, for a long time. And then somewhere in the 90s, when a lot of people started picking up guitar, I had a friend of mine who was looking to play guitar. My mom was like, well, here, borrow ours and you can learn on this. So I'm watching him play it one day and he plays, you know, the opening chords to Smells Like Teen Spirit. I was like, holy heck, that looks really easy. (laughs) And that's like, I know exactly what song that is. I want to try that. So I took the guitar back (laughs) and I started teaching myself guitar on this old Honer acoustic. And it was one of those old ones that, you know, it had a a plywood top, you know, what is it called? Layered top. Mm -hmm. What's the word for that? Laminated, laminate top. Yeah, yeah, laminate top, and then it had one of those funky '70s bridges that uh, the acoustic bridges that are adjustable, like you could adjust the action on it, and uh, it it worked. The tune, the tuning pegs on it were a little funky, like they wouldn't hold tune all the time. And I started messing around with, you know, like modifying it pretty early on before I got an electric down the road. But I would I learned how to change the tuners. So I had to learn how to, you know, like cut and and uh, form a new uh, bridge saddle because the original one was, you know, like 20 years old and it rotted and cracked and broke off from all my hard playing. And I was experimenting, like putting microphones inside of it and like playing it through my uh, my boombox and things like that. Nice. Like, I I played that guitar exclusively, I think, for about two and a half years before I went and bought an electric. Very cool. Yeah, that's fun to hear those those initial stories and. I want to end with a final question here. Just kind of uh, what's the future for 60 Cycle Hum? Do you guys have anything cool coming up that you could share? Anything that uh, people can kind of watch for that that you guys may be having in the fire? Well, uh, I've been publishing all our interviews from NAMM. Today I just published my interview with Josh Scott from JHS, and that one's really fun. Like we really go off the rails, talk about, you know, like, philosophy and hamburgers and stuff we talk about gear for a good four or five minutes and then it's like (laughs) an hour of nonsense so that was today but the the big thing that's been going on is uh we're releasing a pedal in collaboration with pelican noise works uh a couple months ago i just blurted out on the podcast like ah if i ever had like a double drive pedal i just want to have two dod 250s and Leon from Pelican was listening and he messaged me. He's like, hey, let's let's make that happen. Let's make you like a signature podcast pedal. Nice. So we're releasing it this week. I just finished editing the demo and it's going to be up today. I don't know when this is going to publish. So this is in the past. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm past. really <laughs> I'm really excited about it. It sounds really great. I mean, it's like I've been using 250s forever and ever now. That's like my main drive sound most of the time. So to have two of them in one box and have it sound just the way I want. I'm really excited just to have the pedal, and then we're having a really great response from our audience that are just buying them up. It's crazy. By the time this publishes, we'll probably be sold out. Very so, um, cool. That's awesome, man. Pretty that's, exciting. That's cool to hear kind of like how it's gone from you and a buddy just making fun of, of posts to like <laughs> kind of some you know, some brand new territory, like releasing a pedal and all that stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty cool to to hear because there's a lot of stories like that in the gear industry where, you know, it's just a guy in his garage starting an idea and then all of a sudden it like blows up and turns Yeah, only we're not, we're not typically making actual products. We're just like talking into microphones and being stupid and weird and somehow put us into the gear industry. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow they let you into the NAMM show with a badge. So you've done something right. Yeah, exactly. That's I'm awesome. still shocked every time Nam approves my media badge. You're like, you know, this is a podcast, right? You know, like this doesn't matter at all. 
<laughs> <laughs> Apparently they let anyone in so that if if anyone's like wanting to get into Nam, just you know, just take it from Ryan start and a start podcast. a podcast and you'll get in the yeah, door. People ask me every year, they're like, Hey, can you get me a, a, a pass into Nam? I'm like, Hey, like they just I'm surprised they give it to me and it's not like a like a builder pass where I get a certain amount of guest passes. Like I just get mine. And I'm surprised by that every year. Like, if you want to pass, like, media badges are really easy to get. You just have to start a podcast, like, probably four or five episodes, and they'll they'll give you a pass, probably. That's funny. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much, Ryan, for being on the show. And uh, for those who, again, are wanting to check out the 60 Cycle Hum stuff, we'll put some links up in our uh, podcast page. Um, If you go to porterpickups.com, you can click the community tab and click Tonecast. We'll have this episode up there. It'll also be on iTunes here in within a few days of, of this. So it'll be on iTunes. If you're listening on iTunes, it will already be there, obviously. So we of are, course. You know, that's the thing with time with uh, podcasts is like, you can't really mention time as much because you know, someone might just yeah. stumble across this one two years ago and they're like, Oh, the Nam show was last week, you know? And then right, right. it really wasn't last week, you know? So without getting too deep into that, you know what I'm talking about. So uh-huh. <laughs> uh, thanks again, Ryan, so much for being on the show and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right, so it was great to have Ryan on the show for the uh, Tonecast episode 30. So thanks again so much for everyone who has been listening and for your support, the emails, just all the encouragement to kind of keep this going. So we're looking forward to, I know a couple shows ago we talked about getting into kind of the AMP discussion. So we probably will pick that up at some point here too. Uh, But we're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff over the next couple of weeks, some collaborations that we're working on with other companies and then just just some more industry interviews. So if you have suggestions for interviews, if you have suggestions for topics or questions you'd like to feature uh, for us to feature on the show, just just email us, uh, info at porterpickups.com. We'd love to kind of throw some questions out there. Earlier on, we had a bunch of kind of user questions, and it was, it was really fun to kind of have that like on-air sort of answer to a lot of those. So look for a lot of uh, really cool content coming out. Again, thanks for your support and check us out at porterpickups.com or porterguitars.com. We'll see you next time.